Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, now we are here with a Tottenham season review, obviously my favorite one of the year. Uh, so to do so, I, I had to bring on my favorite person, uh, Steve McGookin. You can find on Twitter at Steve McGookin. If you want to see his non-sports content, be sure to check out the Northern Slant at the Northern Slant. Very creative Twitter names there. Steve Pleasure having you back on. Uh, I know uh, that you were at the 5-4 match between Tottenham and Leicester. It secured us third place. Uh, what was that experience like to kind of wrap up the season? Uh, it was bonkers, Kevin. Uh, let's put it no uh, more bluntly than that. It's very good to be back with you and, and reflect on a very successful season, I think, given given everything that, that we had going on. Um, the, the Leicester game was one of those situations where it just got more and more surreal as as the day went on great finishing just some fantastic finishing by harry and by uh, and, and you know by jamie vardy which is uh, bodes well for england in the world cup um but it, the defense was <laughs> both defenses were on the beach uh, and i don't think that's unfair to, to say uh it was it was a crazy game a crazy atmosphere as well because it was, um, you know, the, I, well, you know how the how the scoring went. We were three one down, and it looked like uh, this was going to be an absolute disaster. And then uh, it turned out to be an absolute disaster. But for Esther, uh, who succeeded in successfully shooting themselves in the feet, um, but it was it was it was one of those games where you'd look back on it and you'd say that is like the perfect farewell to Wembley. Let's just. Uh, have a bizarre pantomime of sports and just get the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah, it was but certainly certainly said, a crazy one. As you said, the important thing was how we rounded off the season, given that we had that sort of late season blip, uh, which I think, and I'd be interested to hear what you think, um, there was a psychological issue, there was a confidence issue that I think appeared with the, um, with the Juve game when we mm. lost from a position of strength and we sort of showed that we weren't able to to manage a game successfully from a position of strength. Uh, even when Juve equalized and, and we would still have gone through at 1-1, we seemed unable to actually get our heads back into the game to, to, to see that game out. And then I think that was then reflected uh, and amplified by the FA Cup semifinal. Yeah, against United. Exactly, and how we how we blew that basically as well, and so you know, and also the the, the Man City the home game against Man City slightly different case, but we um, did not play in the first half with with the confidence that we would require against a team like that, uh, and by the time we recovered, by the time we righted the ship a little bit, it was too late. The game was over. Um, so 
I think given that blip towards the end of the season, we were lucky to have the bulk of the points in the bag by that stage. And obviously Liverpool were being distracted by their Champions League adventure. Um, mm. But, you know, we, st- we, still had to, we still had to do the business on the final day and, and thankfully we were able to do that. So, yeah, I, I, top four finish was, um, uh, I think, uh, what we would have hoped for, what we would all have hoped for at the, at the start of the season. I think if, if someone had said at the start of the season, well, you can, you can finish third, and given the constraints of playing at Wembley, um, I think most people would have, would have settled for that. Uh, who knows? I mean, we obviously have to look at our performances in the cups, and and again, as I say, the way in which we crashed out of the uh, out of the Champions League, and hopefully we can learn from those instances. That's the thing. We, yeah. we the, the the most important thing going forward is how do we how do we learn from our mistakes in the past? And I mean, no one, you and I have talked about it before. No one was really expecting us to win the Champions League. But they were expecting us to actually get through at that stage by the 70th minute when we were still, uh, or 65th minute or whatever, when we were still 1-1 yeah. and should have been able to actually get to the finish line yeah, from the that. The only thing we couldn't do was concede two goals. Right, exactly. And and we went ahead and did that. And and that was that's, I think, the, the most worrying hangover that I'm going to take into next season as well. And we can talk about our prospects for next season in a bit, but but a very successful season, generally speaking, uh, as I say, especially with um, the constraints of, of playing at Wembley. Yeah, I think you make a really interesting point about the mistakes because in the past, when Tottenham made mistakes, it was because Tottenham were mistake prone, and now mm-hmm. I think that I view it more as when we make mistakes, it's a, it's an opportunity to learn um, for Pochettino, so. for the players. Um, mm-hmm. And so yeah, I, I totally agree. Those were disappointing. We mentioned on uh, the full shows on this channel before that Tottenham only lost a lead to lose the match three times this season. It was against West Ham in the Carabao Cup, Juventus mm-hmm. in the Champions League, and Manchester United in the FA Cup semifinal, knocking right. us out of those competitions. It's the only three times we did it all season, yeah. um, which is obviously very disappointing. But the fact that it was limited to those, and now we have those experiences, I, I think we can kind of push on from there. The FA Cup, I think will take something special for us to break out of that funk. I have mm-hmm. seen some people saying, you know, what does what does Tottenham losing semifinals in the 90s have to do with this team? And it's the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Because it comes from the fans as well. You walk into those matches with that nervousness. Um, and I, I think that kind of reverberates throughout. And, and everybody mentions it in the pre-match. So it's not like the players aren't aware <laughs> that it happened. Um, right, exactly. So, the psychological effect of that is uh, it, it cannot be underestimated. You're absolutely right. There is yeah. that sense that in a, in a big match like that, and, and you did feel it um, in that United game, which you know, I thought was a decent game uh, mm. to watch. When we, uh, when we went to goal up, <laughs> you know, your first reaction is, oh, my God, they have us exactly where they want us. <laughs> and, and, you know, it sort of plays into that whole and not just with Manchester United, but it does play into that sort of Fergie mentality. Do you remember when, when yeah. Fergie you know, supposed to have said to the players at halftime, don't worry, lads, it's Tottenham. Yeah. Um, and, and that plays on our side of the equation as well, as much as it does with, with uh, whoever it is we're playing. But I think you're absolutely right. The important thing is now, does, has Poch learned game management? Has he learned sufficiently from the mistakes of the Juve game and the United game to be able to actually correct that in some way? And a part of it is 
who can we bring off the bench to actually solidify the game as it's in progress? And very often we just don't have the options available to us. Yeah. Um, it, it will certainly be interesting. And as you mentioned, Pochettino is, I think, the one that needs to learn. I mean, obviously the players will just learn the more they're in big matches, but us securing Champions League is already ensured that we'll have at least six of them next season, right. um, which is obviously positive. But but Pochettino's delayed response to the tactical changes of Allegri and Mourinho, mm-hmm. I, I think, are largely the reasons we lost those matches. I mean, obviously Davinson got undone by Juventus three times, and they only scored four goals. Um, so there is some personal accountability, but we had not changed things enough. For Juve, it was when they brought on Licksteiner. Mm-hmm. We had no response to that. We had free reign of the wings the whole night. So uh, yeah. I think it was Davis in that one was just constantly bombing forward. He has, he wasn't worried about staying back. And so as soon as Licksteiner kind of mm-hmm. caught us on the counter, we just had nothing to, to prepare for that. And then yeah. United, uh, you know, I don't think that was a personnel change. I think it was just a tactical one. Um, mm-hmm. And again, we just we just didn't cope. So yeah, hopefully everyone can learn from it. But specifically Pochettino, he is still a young manager, and people oh, need to remember this is his biggest job. So these are inherently the biggest games he's ever managed. He mm-hmm. did win a couple uh, Copa del Reyes as a player, so the the like he'll never win anything mentality I think is a little askew. But I will say this year was the first year I feared the Bielsa in him. Like previously, I loved that about him. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, okay, but like. Win something, please. <laughs> and yeah. he has mentioned that that will be a target for next season. But as you said, we'll get to that later. I don't subscribe to that, you know, that, that you judge him solely by the trophies that he wins. I, oh, I mean, oh, I don't think that should be entirely. Should be, yeah, you should be able to point to significant improvement year on year and actually say, well, here's a game we lost last year that we won this year. And we did it because we understood um I mean, I, I, for example, I'll give you an example. He, I think he learned from when we lost in the semifinal last year against Chelsea and Conte kept Hazard and Diego Costa on the bench. Yeah. And we had nobody to, that we could have brought on. We, had, we brought on Janssen, I think, at one stage. Uh, but we had nobody comparatively on the bench who was going to be our match winner. And that was, I, th- I think Potts learned something from that. I mm. hope he did anyway, but, but it still doesn't make it easier for him to manage a game from a position of strength. True. And we have gotten better depth-wise. I mean, the, down the second half of the season, as soon as you added Lucas to the mix, mm-hmm. and so in most matches you had some of Lucas, Son, Lamella, like all of a sudden things were like, oh, yeah. those are players that we can bring in to impact things. Although I think our substitutes only contributed two goals all season, which yeah. bears looking at both the squad and the usage. Um, we mentioned uh, that this one made us uh, third place in the Premier League. That's a huge achievement for us. Uh, again, obviously not as big as... Uh, silverware could have been but but stabilizing us now in the top fourth for the past three consecutive seasons how important is that to the club and can tottenham now be somewhat considered top four regulars i yes i hope so uh but again that it's all part of are we prepared to make the investment to sustain that and i think also the challenge although the opportunity of the new stadium is fantastic the challenge of going into two seasons in a row at a new stadium I think you can't really understate how we're going to have to compensate for that a little bit. So, but I think your your point is right, and I think it's generally the case that the Champions League money, especially, has reinforced that top four uh, in a very specific way. That um, that means that the, the 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 league after the top six uh, is just 
not as competitive or it, it, it's I mean, for example, Burnley qualified for the Europa League this year with a negative goal difference, you know, so you have a situation where it is becoming more and more the case that the money involved in the Champions League is um, segregating that top four, top five, perhaps uh, from the rest of the from the rest of the league in a way that we sort of knew was going to happen, but um, uh, is is happening quicker. I think now, simply mm-hmm. because simply because of the money. Uh, but the, you know, the interesting thing is uh, you can talk. We'll talk about the new stadium in a bit. But we're building a new stadium at a time when the actual footfall, the actual physical presence of the fans, is less important than the value of the TV rights. True. So you have to reconcile those two things together, and and again, it, it's going to come back to. Uh, the clash between Poch, if there is a clash, or maybe it's an agreement, maybe they're just, you know, maybe Poch is just putting down a marker by his comments in the presser after the uh, after the Leicester game, mm. you know, when he said, I've talked to Daniel and uh, I'm going to convince him that this is the right time, we're at a tipping point, this is the right time to um, to make that sort of investment in the club that, 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 that we need. And, you know, this figure of $150 million has been bandied around. I don't know how accurate that is or how... True, it's going to be when you start to, you know, um, uh, look at the individual players that we're that we have, and and we should be compensating in a proper way. But, but it's going to come down to uh, can we sustain this position without uh, without the investment that we most of us think is going to be required. Yeah, and the investment is a big thing uh, that that we could see this season, and I think it is important for us to staying in this. Um, kind of continual top four thing uh, because this is the first year where individual improvement didn't improve the whole team. I think right. the fact that we were able to sustain was incredible, but Deli Ali did did shift a little more creative than goal scoring, but inarguably had a worse year. Rose had a worse year. Toby and Wanyama were gone for large stretches of the season. Mm-hmm. I mean, this Sun and Kane and Erickson all about stayed the same. You could argue Erickson improved. Um, Trippier improved, Davis improved, but for the most part, like the last two seasons, we had six plus players in our starting eleven have their best career years, and that mm-hmm. was obviously not sustainable. Um, and getting Lucas in January, I thought was a great move. I'd mentioned, uh, well, throwing up a poll on Twitter if people would prefer Lucas Moura for twenty five in January or Malcolm for forty in the summer, and <laughs> it, it was pretty decided that people wanted Lucas. Now, did not right. play as heavy a role in the Champions League as I think we would have thought, because I think that's why we went after him was um, that he, had, he hadn't been capped by PSG, and I think he just played a few sparing minutes at the end of the second Juve match. Um, but we are now set up well. <laughs> the question is, um, where will we improve to keep up with everyone else? Because I think just like we had a down year this year, we'll have a bounce back for a lot of those players next season. But I don't think that that's enough anymore because we've already gone through the majority of those players' potentials. Like, because they they were so young mm-hmm. that they've already taken huge steps forward. Now it'll be a little bit slower uh, moving as they continue to get better. So I do think we need a, a player or two that'll really dynamically change this side. I think central midfield is most needed um, as Dembele ages and Winks picks up what are starting to be worryingly chronic injuries. Um, I think that's really the place where we'll see the most of our money spent. But we'll we'll kind of see on that and, and talk about it a little bit later. Um, you t- you mentioned playing at Wembley. What impact do you think playing at Wembley had on our season? And do you think it could have a positive impact 
on next season as the players are already kind of used to playing at a new facility and a little out of their comfort zone? Yeah, I was thinking exactly that. When I when I left Wembley on Sunday after the Leicester game, I sort of thought, well, you know, to a certain extent, we've, we've laid the hoodoo now. We, we don't have anything to fear from playing at Wembley. So just replace the new White Hart Lane with, uh, with Wembley. It's essentially that mindset. We're going in two seasons back to back where we're playing at an unfamiliar location. And I mean, we might as we might as well be playing at uh, the Borussia Dortmund Stadium, quite frankly. When uh, uh, in, in terms of the physicality of it, and it's going to that's obviously going to take a little bit of getting used to for the for the players. And I hope, uh, and obviously, I'm not sure there's a cloud over when the stadium's actually going to be completed and when we're going to play our first game there. And uh, you know, are we actually asking the FA for permission to play? Uh, the first few home games away from home. There, there's all that sort of things that, that need to be resolved uh, from a psychological perspective before we can actually think about how great is this going to be to come home, to come home to Tottenham and play in a stadium that um, you can you can see on the website that the, the players have toured it, the players have walked around and they've all been like knocked out by the by the sheer size and scale of it. Uh, but are they ready to actually walk out onto the pitch and 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 perform the way they have? Uh, we'll see. I, I, you, we, we honestly don't know. I think psychologically we were helped because of a half decent start at Wembley. We did pretty well in the first few games, and that you know greased the wheels a little bit to to let us actually feel that we were um, uh, not at home. I never really like to use that expression when you're not at home. Uh, but that we were more comfortable with uh, the scenario of uh, of playing at Wembley uh, as a as a mindset, as a as a psychological um, imperative, rather than uh, um, the new stadium, which I think will, the, the psychological approach to that might be slightly different. So we'll we'll see. Again, an awful lot is going to depend on the crowd uh, and make we the club making sure that they get the transition right in terms of uh, making sure that uh, people's season ticket applications go smoothly and that they're allowed to sit uh, with their friends in, in roughly the same uh, areas that they had at the old stadium. Uh, because if we learned anything from what West Ham did at the Olympic Stadium, that was a source of sort of tremendous uh, ire for the uh, for the West Ham fans. And that once we you... still see cropping up to this day. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 they never really addressed that. They sort of ru- in in a way they rushed that transition into the new stadium. Um, so yes, I mean we we need to be able to prove to the fans that we have done this right, that Levy and and the team have done this right. Uh, and again, it is just psychologically settling the players to know that this isn't just a one season situation that we're playing at the new stadium but this is this is home this is where we this is where we now have to create a fortress the way white hart lane was a fortress in the final season yeah and and the pitch allegedly is is supposed to replicate the one at white hart lane although it can't be exact because uh that pitch was smaller than the new regulations um (laughs) You mentioned uh, earlier Pochettino and his relationship with Levy, which up to this point has seemed very positive. Um, mm-hmm. But this is the first time we've really heard Poch come out and kind of put his foot down. I think he's able to do that because, A, we just secured Champions League football right. again. B, mm-hmm. his contract is up for renegotiation. Um, so this is kind of the time to say, you know, <laughs> make sure that, that we have funds available um, just so that we can better the squad. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't know what C was. I feel like there was a third point, but, you know, rule of threes for comedy. But... <laughs> 
fee might probably have been that his uh, stock in the rest of the football world mm. has probably been higher. And when you look around um, at the vacancies that are going to come up, uh, especially in the aftermath of the World Cup and the dominoes that sort of fall, as they always do in the managerial world, uh, Pochettino is still, um, as he was last season and probably the season before, certainly on the uh, the top of most clubs, uh, most elite clubs uh, shopping lists, I would say. So. So in a way, he's he's negotiating totally from a position of strength, and this is why I think um, some of the comments that he made in the presser after the Leicester game uh, are are sort of setting the setting the agenda for him to be able to turn around and say yes, Daniel believes in this project, and he's willing to you know put his put his money where his mouth is. Now, mm. I don't know if you saw match of the day after the um, uh, after the final day of the season, and Alan Shearer said. He didn't think that would happen because he didn't think uh, Levy was in a position to change the model uh, radically, uh, which obviously means you know abandoning the wage structure or, or, or changing the wage structure to an extent where um, uh, where we reward the players we have rather than sort of you know spend a lot of money on uh, bringing players in. Uh, so it was interesting that, that some people think that the model that the club has employed recently has got us to this point, has made us successful. Um, but without Pochettino, it's interesting. it would be interesting to see whether that would be sustainable, with even with another uh, elite manager. So I think Poch is in a very strong position at the moment, and uh, hopefully Daniel will do the, do the right thing. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Yeah, and I don't think that um, there is a level of lack of support that would cause Pochettino to leave this summer. Like, I've seen some people say they think that that he could leave, and I, I don't think that's... Uh, really the case um, and I see your point about him still being a valuable commodity but the fact that he doesn't have a trophy while is being something that Tottenham fans can negotiate whether or not we, we feel okay about that like the big clubs that is not okay like Real Madrid could not hire him right now because right. he hasn't won something 
um, with, with how fickle they are about stuff like that. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, if it was in your hands, if you were Levy, would you hand over the financial keys to Pochettino or would you try to continue the sensible spending that uh, we've seen keep us basically have a neutral net spend ever since Levy came to the club? Oh, I, I, I would uh, be advised by Poch. Let's put it this way. I would be advised by Poch on where our spending priorities should lie. And that is essentially just securing the core of this team uh, as we go forward. I mean, going back to what you just said a second ago about um, trophies and uh, the expectation among the elite managers, if you look at at Pep Guardiola at at Man City, now, there's no way City are going to sack Guardiola for getting knocked out of the FA Cup by Wigan. Right. Because that's not their priority. They don't really care about the FA Cup. But if he fails to win the Champions League next year, then what do they do? Do they that's clearly where they have put their their emphasis. Uh, Do they recycle? Do they go for another manager? And at that stage, if he can't win the Champions League, Poch hasn't won the Champions League either. So he's no um, you know, there's no advantage to City to to keep a, a coach who can't win the Champions League. So I, I, I don't really um, subscribe to that view that Poch is not in demand because he hasn't won anything. There, where, there, where that is important, however, is in a winning mentality. And that comes back to what we were saying earlier about this notion of uh, screwing up in the in the Juve game, not being able to manage from position of strength, and that comes from that winning mentality. Not because you have trophies on the shelf, but because you're able to get through games that um, that get you to the next stage of a tournament. So I think there's that. But to come back to the finances now, I I do think that we have managed to sustain this model for long enough, and it's time to actually say. Is it time to to put our money where our mouth is and say to the players who come to play here, whether they're already here or whether we're looking at bringing them in, that you can actually expect to um, to be as financially well rewarded as you would be if you went to Juventus or Real Madrid or somewhere like that. But then there's the the, the corollary to that. The other side of the equation is well. If you're not winning something, if you're not actually able to show us that you're an elite player by um, by being able to improve to the extent that you win a tournament, then why should we reward you in that in that uh, to that extent? But I think I think something has to change, Kevin. I think we've got to the point where the current model isn't really sustainable, except in a scenario where you think finishing fourth every year is your goal. Mm. And and I do agree with Pochettino on that sense that this is about as far as this project can go as is. Right, exactly. Without without a radical change to how it's, how the finances of it are structured. Yeah, and that dovetails very nicely into what I was going to ask you, which is a thing that you said on this season recap show last season, which was when I was asking you which players you thought we should buy, you basically said we should take the transfer money and just divvy it up amongst our current players. <laughs> That we would have been better off just kind of paying all of our players at the time than bringing in other options. Now, right. last season, um, options we brought in in the summer, uh, Davinson Sanchez, um, t- uh, Serge Aurier, and Juan Foyth, I think, were the three in the summer. To your point, if we had just paid the players we had, arguably could have renegotiated with Kyle Walker and Toby Alderweireld, who now appears to be on the way out. 
Do you think it was the right decision at the time to let Kyle walk and not extend Toby, and now we're in this situation? And do you think that this summer we should apply that same logic of just paying our players, or should we be looking elsewhere for a big impact signing? Well, I, to be fair and to uh, criticize myself for what, for what I said last season, I did say that we should have taken the, the transfer money that we spent on one particular player and divvied it up among the rest of the squad. So I think that was a, that was a slightly um, uh, different kettle of fish. But yes, in terms of, I think Davinson Sanchez, Aurier, and Foyth, who you mentioned, uh, are terrific investments for the future. And I, I see no reason why we should change the model of that. Uh, you know, which is which is clearly close to Daniel Levy's heart. The idea that we can buy players, nurture them for a couple of seasons, give them uh, international exposure. Uh, and then sell them at a huge profit. And I, you know, I, at the end of the day, you don't necessarily have a problem with that. Um, as for Kyle Walker and now what we're seeing with Toby, if their hearts aren't here and they don't want to stay, then I don't think there's an awful lot that you can do. Um, if if someone would stay because you're doubling their salary, then you have to question their motivation to begin with. But I think Toby is one of those players where it is a litmus test because he clearly – I mean, he didn't on Sunday because he, he was uh, a little rusty, uh, but he clearly mixes a better team. And the fact that we have a player like that and we know how much it's going to cost to replace him, why do we not actually try and convince him to stay or convince him to, to, um, to apply his trade here for, for more money rather than to go to one of our rivals, which would be, uh, which would be detrimental. Um, so, I think an awful lot is going to come down to where the players who leave us go this season. I mean, Toby, you would imagine, could go to any of the top four sides. He would he would slot right in. I mean, if he went to Liverpool, for goodness sake, um, you know, that would be that would be hugely detrimental to us. Um, If Musa leaves, it's going to be interesting to see where he might go, at what level he might go. And Danny Rose is the other one, of course, who uh, people have talked about um, leaving uh, in the in the offseason. So where those players go and how much money we might get for them is a big indicator of what our mentality is going to be going forward and how we replace them, because we know we know Toby makes us a better player and we know it's going to cost us a lot of money to actually go out and get someone who plays like him and who, who has the relationship with Jan that, uh, or, you know, obviously he doesn't, another player would not have that relationship, but Hmm. that's going to be more expensive to replace. So, so I think there's, there's room for both strategies for bringing in the younger players and getting them, uh, uh, getting that exposure and getting them uh, noticed on the world stage and then uh, and then cycling them through. I think you mentioned Harry Winks earlier on, and I think an awful lot is going to depend on whether we think, whether Potch thinks he's actually going to make a contribution next season. Uh, as you said, he's had these worrying injuries that seem to just uh, extend. Um, but he is by far, I think, our most um, promising young player who's not a, a regular of the first, uh, the core team. Mm. Uh, so I think an awful lot is going to depend if we're bringing somebody in to replace Musa, for example. An awful lot is going to depend on uh, how much we're going to get out of out of Harry Winks. I'd agree. And while we're kind of talking about players' roles next season, I think Onoma sticks with the first team next season and kind of becomes the new Sissoko. 
in terms of a player that can play attacking midfield, central midfield, or, or out on the right. Um, so I, I do think Sissoko likely moves on. It, Danny Rose's comments yesterday did not sound like a player that's leaving. Now, whether or not that's just him learning from last summer is entirely possible. Mm-hmm. Um, that he was just like, ooh, say I'm staying and then maybe I do or maybe I don't. Like uh, <laughs> on a managerial level, like what Sean Dyche did at Burnley when Everton were sniffing around. He kept right. publicly saying that he wasn't interested and all of the scuttlebutt was that his his uh, people were in talks with them. But that way you can just like distance yourself in case it doesn't happen. And it didn't. And he ended up having a great season with Burnley. Um but yeah, I don't know if we're going to see a load of exits. I think Lorente and Jansen both leave. I think Nkudu probably leaves. Sissoko maybe, although Poch loves him some Moose Sissoko, so we'll kind of <laughs> see on that one. Um, yeah. And maybe yeah. one of the goalkeepers. But aside from that, I, I think we're largely not going to sell. As far as buying, I'm not yeah. sure if we'll go bother trying to buy an out-and-out forward because we bought a forward of just about every player ID. Right, to sit right. behind Kane, and none of them work. Yeah. Um, so what I think we could see is us actually buy a left-sided winger uh, who right. also has some experience playing forward. My my dream, too, would be one That's of Martial good. and Depay, who's had an amazing season for Lyon. <laughs> um, and then we can just say Kane, Son, and whoever we bring in is like the three up front because that way you're yeah. guaranteeing minutes because the issue is we've had to buy Young like we did with Jansen. And then G, who's young, and say, you can grow into a player that, that, that gets some of those cane minutes. That didn't work. So we bring in Lorente, who's just a big uh, kind of banger in the air. He couldn't get minutes, and none of them could score. <laughs> so uh, I'm thinking maybe abandon that idea. Go for a winger that scores a lot of goals, and then trust Kane and Son, who's done well when he's been called on, uh, to kind of carry the line for us. Yeah, I know. I totally agree. And I think, I think Son has now become... You know, you, you talk about uh, that triumvirate of Son, Lamella, and, and now Mora. I think there's no doubt that Son is at the at the top of those three, uh, and is uh, you know a, a, an absolute core member of the team now. And I, I certainly hope we make sure that we uh, hold on to him for the next few seasons. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, it's it's one of those situations where. There's a lot of speculation. Obviously, uh, this will heat up as the World Cup progresses, and and various people sort of emerge through the World Cup and and uh, uh, become targets for everybody, as as it, as happens at every World Cup. Uh, but you, you can't really trust anything that anybody says until you see them shaking hands with the manager and holding a shirt, you know. Um, but I think at the at the end of the day, we're we're going to have to uh, look very carefully, as you said, at how do we how do we back up Harry if in the event of another injury and we talk about this at the start or the, and at the end of every season Kev you know we, we say well what happens if Harry gets injured how do we compensate for that and and luckily Son has been able to step up in the past uh, in the past um, uh, situations where where Harry's been out for an extended period um, but yeah I think I think it's just going to come down to um, who who fits the bill in terms of the finances and also the 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 playing power i mean how how much do you think uh, how much do you think it would cost to get martial Oof. uh specifically in league if we refuse to do business with them on Alderweireld or Rose i think it mm-hmm. could be like 40 million to 50 mm-hmm. yeah i agree with you i think that would probably be about right and uh, well, also, and, and look, you know, Oxley Chamberlain when he went to Liverpool, look at mm. the impact he's had there. Very similar type of player. 
uh, I, I, I'm like you. I would, I would love somebody like Martial to come in and actually um, uh, compliment Kane uh, the way he does. But yeah, and, uh, and that would allow us to go kind of big and fast up front, which is something we haven't really yeah. been able to do. He could play up front. He could spell Sun, as we said. If if Kane goes out, you can either play Sun up front with Martial out wide or Martial up front Sun out wide. I, I just think that would make us so much more dynamic. And you mentioned earlier, like the the uh, Chelsea match and needing to learn that we have to have people able to come off the bench. We have not had a forward that we could trust to come off the bench since it was Kane coming off the bench when <laughs> Soldado and Adebayor couldn't score. That's absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Unfortunately, Fernando Llorente, who was uh, not that long ago one of Europe's most feared strikers. He scored 18 goals the year before this. I know. I know, exactly. And it, it just doesn't fill opposition defenses with uh, with the sort of trepidation that we need to, to be able to bring off the bench. I mean, it comes back to the old the old problem that we had uh, for the last few seasons is our first 11 is as good as any team in the country. It's the depth. It's the mm. fact, you know, we, we if somebody goes out for an extended period and injured uh, or we're in a game situation where we need to be able to change the game, we just don't have the depth to, to be able to do it. And that is something that needs to be addressed. And also, actually, just to pick up on something you said earlier, um, we we should be looking at uh, at young goalkeepers as well, and and I uh, was a little disappointed that we didn't do that last season um, because you know Vorm Vorm is a fine backup, but we do need to be looking at who's going to be our our first choice goalkeeper in five years. Yeah, we did buy Gazaniga, but I don't think he's the long term answer. Yeah, he well, he's just he's not he doesn't get enough uh, playing time, and that's that's part of the problem. But yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I do agree because Hugo did have some shaky moments this year, um, and it's hard to tell whether that's age regression or if he just had a tough few matches because you know Toby and Wanyama were out for so long yeah, in the season. Yeah, but, I, th- um, I think it's the latter. I think it's exactly that. It's yeah. it's just the. Um, but we have to start planning for the former. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Totally. Totally agree with you there. All right. With all these things that we've discussed in mind, what do you think the expectations are internally at the club and externally from the fan base for for uh, Tottenham's twenty eighteen nineteen campaign? Mm, well, that's that's the sixty four thousand dollar question, isn't it? <laughs> or or sixty four million pound question when it comes to, <laughs> when it comes to how we think about financing the club. Uh, I think. Fans now would be uh, disappointed if we were to slip significantly from what we've done the last two seasons. Uh, especially, I think, uh, as I said earlier, if, if if we had been we as fans, if we'd been offered the idea of finishing third this season, and also bear in mind, Jermaine Genus, who uh, you know uh, is known for his Tottenham mm. sympathies, let it, let's put it that way, actually said that he thought we were a worse team this year than we were last year. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure about that. It's, uh, but well, I we, think he's just kind of commenting on what I was talking about, that there was a lot of personal regression. As a team, yeah. we were fairly stable, but individually, things things probably got worse than they got better. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I think that's right. Um, uh, so, yes, I mean, I, I would again go back to your original question about are we now, the expectation is are we now a top four club? And able to sustain that uh, going forward, and so I think a lot of the play, a lot of the um, uh, fans would expect to finish top four again this year. Uh, obviously, the 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 new stadium is going to be a challenge in terms of just settling into it. For example, 
uh, and making sure that we, as I say, try and build that fortress mentality around it. Um, but I think the expectation is, as it, as it is with most seasons, Kev, let's be honest, top four plus a reasonable cup run and maybe, you know, <laughs> something for the love of God. As is and, tradition. Yeah, exactly. It is traditional. But I think I think it's more to come back to that psychological question that we were talking about earlier, this idea that I want us to be able to learn from where we screwed up yeah. before. And, and to be able to say, if we find ourselves in that situation in the Champions League where, okay, we've, we've gone ahead and they've pulled it back, but we still go through, if we can get just get to the 90th minute on in, in this particular scenario, then I want, us, I want to be able to see that we have learned from that. You know, and I think that would be, to me, that would be success. That would be being able to sustain the level that we have, but also show that we're growing as a team and growing and, and Poch is growing as, a, as a, a skillful tactician. Yeah, agreed. All right, well, that seems as good a place as any to end things uh, today. So, Steve, why don't you tell the folks where they can find you? Oh, okay. Thank you. Uh, well, you can get me at Steve McGookin, uh, or you can follow my non-football sports writing at uh, at Northern Slant, which is a Belfast website. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah, absolute pleasure having you on, Steve, and I'm sure we'll speak soon. I hope so, Kevin, and have a good off-season. Yep, you do the same. Cheers, mate. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited-edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.